Hey y'all, what's up? It's your friend Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. I love this time of the week. Favorite thing to drop these shows into your ears. Today's show is going to be a whopper because we're going to Jamaica. That's right. I'm bringing you along on a keynote that I gave in Jamaica to the rising stars of the Richard Branson Center for Entrepreneurship in Jamaica. Yes, uh, I was a guest of the State Department where the State Department was is helping spread and encourage creatorship, entrepreneurship in the Caribbean. So I got to go down there and deliver some stuff, some, some knowledge, some wisdom, be on stage with Sir Richard and talk to the media there about how they're growing this new area of the side hustle and, and how there's opportunity there abound. And in this particular section that we're going to have share with you here on the podcast, I got to sit down with three different entrepreneurs on stage. I brought them up to the stage and they shared a little bit about their business. And then we deconstructed their business and I provided a lot of just insights, my personal sort of feelings about what they should be doing differently. You know, of course, patting them on the back where they where they deserved it, but you'll you'll get to hear some patterns that are so familiar that I'm banking you have the, these patterns going on in your life and probably a lot of the same talk track in your head. There's, of course, a lot of insecurity and a lot of optimism. In short, it's a little bit like a therapy session, but with real tangible business advice. So this is me working with three separate creators and entrepreneurs in a room full of people um, on stage, and I think there's a ton of value. So... Without further ado, I'm going to dive right into the show. Hope you dig this. Give me a shout out on the social. Tell me if you like it or what I should be doing different or better. And I do want to say thank you all for the reviews you're dropping at iTunes and or Stitcher, uh, wherever you find the show. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. So we're going to get into the show. But before we do, just a super quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits. And today, Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Life classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. How many, how many people out here in the audience had people who wanted you to do something else? So that's like at least half, maybe two thirds. Sorry, I'd like to see who, who here is doing what everyone told them to do. 
Well, then everyone else should raise. Yeah. Everyone should raise their hand. So zero people in this room are doing what everybody else wanted for you, and to me, that's the most important part of your question, Joshua. Um, the world wanted me to be a doctor or a professional athlete. I, I had a career trajectory to, to play soccer in Europe. I was on the U.S. Olympic development soccer team. Um, and in three consecutive years, I, I quit the Olympic soccer team. I dropped out. Uh, I bailed on medical school. And then I dropped out of a Ph.D. in philosophy. Those are all things that other people wanted for me. And I believe the journey as an entrepreneur is, um, is step one is resisting those things. And if you're sitting in your chair right now and you can think of what you've had to do to even get here, you're just getting started. So that's one of the reasons that I wanna try and be as prescriptive as I can, realizing that there are so many different things about each of our journeys. To go back to your question, Joshua, my, my personal journey was to leave all of the things that everybody else had planned for me. And the way I talk about it, my background is as a creator. So I, I say, if you don't write your own script, someone else will surely write it for you because everybody has plans for you. And what you need to have plan is plans for yourself. And so um, it was about, you know, I was uh, early 20s where I you know, dropped out of those things that I'd, I'd mentioned earlier to pursue a career as a photographer. And my poor parents, you know, I went from, you know, I was going to be a professional athlete, a big star, and then I was going to be a doctor, and then I was going to be a professor at a fancy university, and all of a sudden I'm a photographer. And yeah, laughter, literally laughter right. in the crowd. You, I love you it. You were a photographer or you yes. were someone who had inherited a bunch of cameras it's true. and decided, I'm going to take pictures for a living. I did have a passion for photography, but what Joshua is referencing is uh, one week before my college graduation, my grandfather dropped dead of a heart attack completely unannounced. It rocked the family to our core. Um, but the silver lining of that cloud was that he gave me his cameras and I was able to explore my creative side when I had been, again, thinking about what everybody else wanted for me. Where I came from, it, you weren't really permitted to be both an athlete and an artist. So it, it sort of unlocked that piece in me. And if anyone's out there in the audience believing you're not creative, I have a message for you. Every single person in, in this room is creative. Building a business, applause for that, I'll take it. Every, building a business is one of the most creative endeavors that I've ever personally participated in. Uh, and if, you, if this was a third grade classroom and we asked, hey, who, who wants to come up here and draw a picture? Every person's hand in this room would go up. You ask that question again at grade six or seven, that number's cut in half, and you ask that question as an as a 18-year-old, and there's maybe one or two people who are excited to come to the front of the room and, and create something. So A, first and foremost, I wanna flip that paradigm and get you to all realize that building a business is one of the most wildly creative things. And it doesn't necessarily mean drawing and painting, but creativity is not just those small C, creativity like photography and design, it's creativity with a capital C. And creativity with a capital C, that's going to unlock the biggest problems that we have as a culture. There's over a billion people every day who don't have access to clean drinking water. That problem has creativity as a key solution to that problem. So first, you know, off the back. Obviously, we, we know how, you know, engineering-wise, right, yes. how someone gets clean water, right? Yes, we it's, do. It's, we're, we're, we're not talking about a world where we don't know how to ensure that everybody gets enough calories in the day. We, we're not in a place where we don't know how to get people enough clean water. It's a question of, of thinking creatively at getting it to the people that need it. Yes, at scale. 
at scale. And, and, and the same is true for humanitarian problems, for political challenges. There, there's a creative aspect of every, every part of that. So um, as soon as I was able to unwrite the script that other people had written for me and pursue my particular passion, my whole world changed. And I think if you're exploring that part of yourself right now, um, you, will, you are about to experience that, oh my God, I actually can put my passions together in some unique and interesting way to things that might not even be related. I was speaking to someone in the hallway who, um, who was doing things that they didn't think they could make a living. I I'm here today, I'm living proof that you can make not just a living but an amazing life doing the things that you want. And the world culture, by and large, trains that out of us. I'm here to train that into you. This program is, is out there so that you can understand that your ambition and your occupation can connect around something that changes the world. So for my, you know, my background was, as I said, all those other things. In pursuing and pulling on that thread of becoming a photographer, I instantly had more energy than I'd ever had in my life. Um, having low energy also is not something I've ever been accused of. Um, but when you are, are on a journey that you are supposed to be on, the level of energy is, is really, um, it's incomparable. And is that energy that I created, a, a photography business, a business as a photographer and a director, I hired, maybe had 20 people working with me, working for the world's top brands for, you know, Apple and Nike and Mercedes and just, you know, world top, world class brands. And I had a, a built an amazing career in that, but I also at some point, and I can, I'm very specific to the point, it was an avalanche. I was shooting a Nike ad and almost died in an avalanche. And at the end of that episode, when I realized that I came within this close of losing my life, I had it as good as you could have it. Traveling the world, someone else's expenses, private planes, yachts, all the stuff that you think of when you're at the top 1% of the photography world. And I realized that that wasn't enough for me. And the thing that wasn't enough is that what I wanted to do next wasn't about me. It was about providing that lifestyle as a creator for other people. Because if our parents had one job and we will have five, the next generation will have five at the same time. So how can we how can we empower you all to do something beyond ourselves and at scale because you all will have, ultimately, will have five businesses. So I was able to do that on, on my own and that's the foundation of Creative Live, which is today the world's largest live streaming education company focused specifically on creativity and entrepreneurship. We have folks like Richard Branson on our platform who I think we'll, we'll hear from later, Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington. They know that the future is yours. It's the most exciting time in the history of the world to be able to put your ideas out there because you can manifest them. You have tools that you've never had before. And I think we're just getting started. So that's a, a good transition. One of the, the famous quotes of, of Branson, and uh, I hope uh, uh, if Melissa, if I misquote it, um, is if your dreams aren't scaring you, you're not dreaming big enough. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about one of the reasons that, that big dreams do scare people, which is failure. Yes. Um, and how, how can you, you know, just put out your, the failures you've, you've had as a business person, as an entrepreneur, and how you push through them? Sure. Uh, the short note on that is I, I don't like the world word failure um, only because I don't, there are all kinds of failures, but at a macro level, if you step way back, I can't point it to any one thing as a failure 
in the master plan. Each one of those things was a stepping stone. I needed to learn X um, or Y. In the moment, I think it's very fair for us to call them failures because they were a very unanticipated outcome when you either run out of money or um, you get in a legal battle or there's any myriad of ways that you can, you know, that a business can fail. Um, it's my hope that you all acknowledge those. A friend of mine, uh, a woman named Brene Brown, who is an extraordinary storyteller. Yeah, Brene is, she's been so impactful on me in my life. She's a, a, a friend. She studies um, shame and vulnerability, which if you, you know, she makes the joke, she, she stands on stage and says, today we're talking about shame and vulnerability. And anyone who's not familiar with their work basically just walks out because that's about as scary or an uncomfortable thing as we can talk about. But what, what, what living in our failures, for more than just temporary, more than just a high five and moving on, understanding, deconstructing them so that we know what not to do next time, right. it's some of the most valuable lessons that I've ever learned. And I would, I would encourage you all to be able to be with those small failures on your journey. Now, why I don't like that word failure is because you're all here, you've failed several times, and you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for some of those small failures. So... There's not enough time for me to list my failures here. Um, they're very public. You can go read about them on the internet. Um, one in particular that's worth talking about is uh, this little device here. I created the first iPhone app that shared photos to social networks. Anybody here done that in the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Laughter. And what sort of residuals are you getting <laughs> from that? Uh, one, two, three, zero, exactly zero <laughs> residuals. Um, so it was Instagram a couple years before Instagram, and as they say, timing is everything. Um, but it, it, it wasn't just like I had the idea. It was the app of the year in 2009 on Apple's platform, number one in the iTunes. Uh, Phil Schiller, who's the marketing executive, works for Steve Jobs, worked for Steve Jobs, and now is one of the senior leaders alongside of Tim Cook, said it was his favorite app. In short, it was the first app that allowed you to take a picture, add a cool effect, and then share it to social networks. Ended up being sort of a big deal. Um, and as entrepreneurs, this is a small, small side note, but as entrepreneurs, ultimately that's what you're paid to do, is to see around the corner. I was putting together my passion for photography with the idea that the best camera you could possibly have was one that was always with you. The best camera is the one that's with you. And for me, it wasn't about megapixels or dynamic range or any of that tech stuff. It was a fact that images are about stories and moments. And I don't know if you've looked around lately, but the future, if, if this thing now is uh, a Swiss Army knife, you guys familiar with what that is? It's a knife that has all kinds of blades. If this is a Swiss Army knife, the camera used to be, back when I was pitching this idea, it used to be the toothpick, right? It was the nice to have. Now the camera is the blade. It's the most important part of this device. It's the future of photos, videos, AR, VR. It's everything. So I was out there talking about this in 2007, 8, 9, when the camera was 0.7 megapixels. And so this is, this is a lesson for you all to understand that you need to do the things that you need to do. Do not chase market opportunities. Do not chase market opportunities. It's nice if there is a world where you can make money doing your thing. If I had chased a market opportunity, what would I have been working on back then? A competitor to blogger or something like that. No, I was passionate about photography and I saw technology maybe coming around to embrace the camera. So I just focused on the thing that I was very deeply passionate about and what happened, I had no idea, but it was about to become the most important part of this device. So there's a handful of lessons that I feel like are embedded in there. 
I'll just give you the, the to cut to the chase. Um, that's a terrible thing to say when your name is Chase. Um, yeah, and I usually other people do it, but I, I fell into my own trap there, I'm sorry. Um, the, it was a billion dollar mistake. I, I was paralyzed. I could have sold it to a couple different publicly traded companies that were pursuing it. I had a small legal spat with the developer. Um, but in short, I was paralyzed by so much opportunity. And when someone offers you you know, money that you'll never have to work again, sort of private jet money, and you've spent your whole life identifying as an artist, and all of a sudden there's never work again money. I was confused by those two things. Is an artist an entrepreneur, or are those different than artists? And in short, it was the same sort of cultural thing that kept me focused on medical school when I didn't want to, that paralyzed me from cashing those checks for you know, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, it was a massive failure when Instagram sold, you know, they were a year and a half behind us when they finally sold for a billion dollars. Uh, my phone basically rang all day and, you know, I did, took, did news um, reports, was on television shows and stuff about the fact that I had come out with this long time before um, Instagram. But the, the, the fact remains that was a failure. I needed to sit in that failure for a little bit. But as the, the story that I, I sort of um, glossed over not too long ago, that thing that was a failure that I was owning at that time ended up being an insanely powerful asset for me in creating Creative Live, which is what I'm focused on today. And that is empowering folks like yourself to learn from Richard Branson and, and Ariana Huffington and, and the best creators, designers, of our time. So I leveraged all of the, the, the learnings from that failure into the opportunity to create that for others. And today we have 10 million students around the world. We've had billions, the three, last I checked, three billion minutes of video education consumed on our platform. So um, failure is a really critical part of your journey. Um, it's tough to decide how much time to spend in failure. To me, that's the hardest part because um, Brene, her talk about failure um, is she said, don't gold plate that failure. Don't gold plate that grit. Oh yeah, I, like, I'm up here trying, that's why I'm trying to hold this space for just a moment around failure. It's because we have to acknowledge that it, is, it exists. There are small failures, there are big failures. Mine was a billion dollar failure. Just let that th sink in for a second. Billion US, by the way, not Jamaican. Yeah. <laughs> not not $8.75. <laughs> no. uh, Sorry, my, ma I, I, my math skills are mediocre. But, um, so it's a huge part of it, and I want you all to pay, pay special attention to it. And if, you, if you're not familiar with, Brene, with, with Brene's work, you should check it out. I highly recommend her and her, her philosophies. Um, but failure is critical. So I'd like to get a, before we call the entrepreneurs up here, um, I want to see, is there anyone who has any questions from the audience before we go into the very prescriptive uh, discussions? We could take two questions. I flew 3,000 miles to take your questions, so there better I be more than two I see these two hands go up. You didn't even wait for, my, for <laughs> the call. No, nope, the two hands went up first. Well, those are the, are the two questions we're taking. So the, the lady in the back, if you can walk forward, please, so we can capture you on video. And while you're walking forward, we'll take the gentleman in the white. Can I stand here? Yeah. OK, my name's Franklin Manster. Well, I think Obet would love to have you on his video. Oh, so if yeah. you can uh, walk forward, stand by the stairs. There well, you go. You're already up here. I'm just going to okay. I'm coming oh, to you, dude. Let's no, do that. No, right? Here we go. 
Let's yeah. talk. What's the question? Okay. My name's Franklin Manster. I'm all okay. the way from Suriname, South America. Great. Welcome. And I'm welcoming him. I just got here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so my question actually is, um, they say that if you can find a hobby or passion in your work, yes. you don't have to work a single day. That's, it, yes. That's a, so, yes, that's a saying. <laughs> so, I, I do you agree with it? I want to be in the affirmative, right? Just encouragement, right? Encourage, we all need that here. So, um, I believe that entrepreneurship is the hardest job that there is. And uh, I spoke with some folks backstage very briefly. I met, we're going we're to host some of these folks to the stage. Uh, and... You know, failure is, is something that we just spoke of, and it's very hard to, um, it's hard to accept it. It's hard to acknowledge it, especially because the people who tend to be entrepreneurial are feisty. We don't like words like failure. Okay, we want to direct our own lives. Uh, where I believe there's power in the statement that you brought to the stage just now is that pursuing your passion, um, it's not that you don't work a day in your life. The, 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 the goofy reality is that you're going to work seven days a week. Okay. Seven? Seven. Uh, It's not eight days a week? I'm trying to, you know, wrap my mind around the math part from earlier. I think there's seven days a week. I'm just going to go with seven. So there's seven days of work every week. But the flip side of that little argument that I'm playing with from a semantic perspective is that what you have is energy. Yeah. I cannot under, I cannot overstate how critical energy is. That's why you should not work on a market opportunity. You should work on something that is very personal to you. Personal to you or someone that you care deeply about. And I, want, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what your work is. Uh, IT specialist. Okay. It, you need to be crazy passionate about that. Because if you're not, when stuff gets hard, and it will. And everyone's like, uh-huh. <laughs> it will. And when you are working on something that you personally care deeply about in here, yeah. that will give you the energy to push through. And when there are other IT specialists who are in it for the market reasons, when stuff gets hard, they will not have the energy. So it is a force multiplier as far as competition goes. It will help you push through when others will stop. When the, the economy in the US <clears throat> was reduced to rubble in 2008, most photographers, I was identified specifically as a photographer at that time, they did not have the energy to go find work because all of the jobs that they had were basically erased overnight. I grabbed like 50% more market share that year because I knew everybody else got soft because they were in it for the pretty girls and the, and the jet rides. Specifically, that was a time where I crushed. So what you need to do is follow your passion. It's absolutely true. But I want to I overlap two other circles. And this comes from a friend of mine named Chris Gillibo. Chris has written a book called, um, uh, what is it called? Born, Born for This. I used to say Born This Way, but that's the Lady Gaga song. So it's like, <laughs> um, Chris would kill me if he knew I was comparing him with Lady Gaga. Um, Born for This. And, and what Chris's thesis is, is what I've adopted, because I haven't heard anybody say it better, is that work on an area for which you are deeply passionate about. That will create a state of flow. You guys familiar with the concept of flow? You're in the groove, you're doing, it feels good. You wake up, you have energy. Yeah, that'll create flow. The other thing is there is, there, it's money. You can actually make a living 
doing the thing. And then the, is, it's sort of passion. What's the third one? I don't know. He's got the right word for it. Nasa, do you remember it? My, my video person, she's around here. But it's, it's the intersecting sort of opportunities of these three circles where you should be focused. What do you care about? What are you good at? Because you might care a lot about basketball. Stand up for a second. All right, sit down. <laughs> you might care a lot about basketball. Yeah, I do. I'm, yeah he does. <laughs> I do. Um, but you might not want to go pro. Not, you might, you might. And Spud Webb, there have been people who've done it. It's, it's amazing. So I don't want to short sell anything. Sorry for saying short. I don't want to. But you get the point. If it's an area that you have aptitude, something that you're passionate about, and something where the money exists, the intersection of these circles is what I want you to think about. Okay? Yes. Give him a round of applause for coming up here, you guys. Okay. Cardell. Hi. Chief. Hi. How come I don't come on, hey, come on up here. We're going to give you an actual chair. Come on. <laughs> give a round of applause. She's all the way at the front of the room, you guys. All right. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to stay up here. I'm advertising my business. That's not right. Okay. Well, I must say, I didn't really raise my hand to ask a question, but I will ask the question. This morning when I came, I had to run out um, for a minute. I was talking to Tishana, and I was saying, you know, I like to hear what to do with your business you know, the successes of the entrepreneurs, but I want to hear about the failures because as entrepreneurs, we tend to face a lot of that. How do you rebound from that? So I just want to commend you, Chase, for sharing your failure okay. with us. I never expected to be sitting with somebody that is, has lost Such so much. <laughs> yeah. He said it, not me. Eh? Such a, I'll take it. Yeah, but... You know, that's such a tremendous failure. How did you, you know, just the top three things, how did you overcome that? It's a that's great, a great yeah, question. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal question. And uh, the first part of the answer to that question is the part that nobody talks about, and that is the grieving. I had to be with that. And what, did I go to work crying or did I not go to work? No. I got up, I put my pants on, my big boy pants, and I went to work. And I went to work working on other things or on trying to, how to understand how to turn the thing that was an incredibly painful failure into something positive. I will say that I didn't, I owned it, I took my loss, I internalized it, I processed it. Part of what I did is actually, I, I parked some of it because I was at a very busy time where a bunch of other things were happening, and I knew that I wasn't actually fully, th full, fully through that grieving process. So I, I grieved as much as I could afford to at the time. I parked some of it. Then I did the second thing. You asked for three things. The second thing was I got my ass back to work on something that I was deeply passionate about, on something I knew I could have disproportionate impact on something that was my diagram, my Venn diagram of those circles that it was overlapping. And what I realized that was, was creative education. It was building a business that would have 10 million students in it such that I could give the experience of what I have lived as a photographer and a creator. And the going to work there, it wasn't like a two week thing. It wasn't like a check the box. It was, we're seven years into creative live now. 
So thing two was reapplying myself on something that I knew would be as meaningful. And what I believe is that through training folks like yourselves, inspiring them with some of the greatest minds on the planet through Creative Live, that I could have the impact of 10 Instagrams. Because of 10 million people, there are certainly some people who are in that group that are gonna have amazing impact. Creativity with a capital C, like change the world type stuff. So that was thing two. Thing three, it's kind of thing one point, you know, 1.2, but I went back and completed my grieving. And how did I do that? I wrote the story of that experience, of what it was like day to day, month to month, to go through that failure. It's online, you can read it, it's called My Biggest Failure. And the hope that, this is why I gave it a second thing, is because it wasn't just the grieving part, because grieving can be very private. This was a very public grieving. And the reason I wrote about that is for you, so that you could understand what I went through. And again, I went through it, it was a business challenge. I was not at home crying. I did not shed a single tear during that process. Was I upset? Was I ferociously angry at myself and my, the partner that ended up getting in the way of this process? Yes, but I wrote that down for you. So the third piece of that puzzle was sharing it in hopes of elevating the opportunities for others to learn. I think that, is, that recipe is absolutely something that all, any, anyone in this room can do with their failures. I'm not being prescriptive here, that's later today. Right now I'm just I'm telling you what I did and that I think that you all can do the same thing. You ought to try it. That's awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Give her a round of applause, you guys. Thank you. You would? Okay, I can't wait to talk to you later. I'm here for two days. Two days. So grieve, get back to work, and then write the story share, yeah, your the story. way. Share the story. Okay, so now we're going to switch to the second half uh, where we are going to call up our three lucky entrepreneurs and uh, they are going to get what I believe is probably, what, a, a $5,000 an hour consulting uh, from Mr. Jarvis. Um, so Obet, Nalia, and Ayana, please come up to the stage and uh, get, uh, get your just desserts. Round of applause give them, give them a big Come round on. of applause. Come on. So we have Obet, a uh, Wiley uh, alum. Of course, we have Nali, um, Nyla from the Wiley Network, and Ayana, a Branson Center Hi. alumnus. Awesome. And we've chosen them because they represent the full spectrum of what we're looking for here. Uh, we've uh, got social entrepreneurs, uh, we've got early stage entrepreneurship, and we've got revenue stage entrepreneurship looking for expansion. And uh, they've told a little bit of their story, but I'm now going to give it over to Chase to uh, really uh, dig it out of them. What's the next stage? How do we go from starting local uh, um, uh, dream, um, dream big and going global. With that, Mr. Jarvis. All right, so um, this, this, a little bit of a therapy session here, okay? Um, and and I, do, I want you all to pay close attention because the reason that this is valuable, this is the equivalent of, for those of you who happen to have gone to art school, this is, this is crit. This is where their work is on display. I'm gonna ask them a little about, the, about their successes and failures so that you can learn from them. Because I'll, categorize, I'll, just, I'll just let you know, 
we all have the same problems. I'll say it again. We all have the same problems. Tactically, they might be a little bit different, but we all have the same problems. And so the, because you don't have a business in personal coaching does not mean that this is not relevant. In fact, I would bet that there are, is 50% overlap to every one of the problems that these entrepreneurs have with the business that you're trying to build. Okay? You can test me on this. Just keep it in your mind. So without further ado, why don't we start with you down at the far end? Say who you are. Tell us in, in, under, in 30 to 60 seconds a little bit about your journey. Okay, hi, good evening everyone, um, afternoon, sorry. My name is Ayana Dixon. I'm a fashion illustrator and fashion designer. My business name is ASD and my background is basically, um, I went to fashion school in New York, came home and wasn't really sure what I was gonna do in Jamaica with a fashion degree. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of naysayers, of course, because why are you sending your child to, you know, study something when she comes home, she can't use the degree. And I've kind of forged a way for myself and my business, um, especially as an illustrator, just recently just having my products, my illustrations on a lot of products and in a way that Jamaica has never seen before. And um, just as a fashion designer, kind of, you know, kind of making my own way in this non-industry that we have here. Fantastic. So that's my story. Awesome. Thank you. Sir. So, uh, good afternoon. My name is Obet Kanape. I'm a student of sociology, and I'm into arts and culture. My organization, my uh, enterprise is called uh, OK, Opportunity, Knowledge, and Empowerment. And it's a circle around the ideal of knowledge is freedom and liberation. And my goal with this is to change paradigms or change the dynamics, uh, the way people think about, like when they say uh, knowledge is power, I want them to understand that you have to have the freedom to create that base and to consolidate uh, uh, the, the power that you are trying to find. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm a man of spirituality, and in my world, everything speaks as an artist, spoken word artist, and singer-songwriter. Excellent. Good afternoon. My name is Nilo. I'm from St. Lucia. And my business is um, St. Lucia Camping Adventures. Basically, what we are is a camp consulting and adventure firm. Uh, we help you experience St. Lucia outside of the confinements of a normal hotel. Um, I'm still in the startup stage. So I'm basically not like a full entrepreneur yet. And I have hopes of one day opening, an, opening a permanent camping reserve. Not just come and visit the island, but the permanent place where you can stay, basically. Great. All right. So I want to know what your challenges are. So we've got a couple of different phases of entrepreneurship here. Um, they, as you understand, will, will have different challenges. And I believe that you all are in different stages of your business development as well. So you will, your challenges will overlap. Um, I want to have this a little bit like a therapy session, so we're going to start with you. So <laughs> let's unpack this a little bit. So what are your challenges? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, What's that whole thing? If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life? Right. 
Um, well, for me right now, it's just a matter of getting my products out in a way that people will be receptive. As a fashion illustrator, as I said, nobody really does what I do right now in Jamaica and nobody knows how to kind of handle it. Okay. So um, basically, recently, um, a big company had me illustrate some stuff for an event they were having. Great. And that was a great, you know, eye opener to a lot of people. They're like, I didn't know you could do illustrations like that. I'm like, uh, yeah, I can draw anything, okay. <laughs> you know. But um, also just kind of brand awareness and like coming up with more ideas and avenues for me to actually make revenue yeah. as opposed to just my products. Because, yes, I do do my illustrations on like mugs and bags and stuff like that. But it would be great to have like those big projects that I work on with a company, whether it's for, you know, Christmas cards or, sure. you know, whatever it is that they want me to design and illustrate and produce for Great. them. I got enough information. Now I got to ask you some questions. And yeah. these questions, ask yourself these questions about your business when I'm asking them. Okay. okay. So how do you make money? Like what, what, what is your business model? My business model? Well, right now I um, do, because I'm a fashion designer also, so I do custom clothing. Okay. So that's one of Take, one take your clients. title away mm -hmm. from these things because that's a crutch. Okay. All right. If you um, tell me you're a photographer, but you dig ditches for a living, like those are different things. So different take your title out of it for a second. How do you make money in your business? Okay. So I sell custom designs. Okay. You sell custom designs. So that if you're, if I'm a company, I come to you and I say, Hey, um, we need a poster. We need a new logo for the YLAI. No. Okay. okay. So I do, um, one-on-one -on -one custom designs for women's wear. Okay. And then for my illustrations, I do just retail products. Got it. So I just illustrate and produce a product line. Got it. And then that's sold wholesale or one-on-one -on -one to someone. Okay. As well as a company can come to me and say, hey, I'd like an illustration of whatever. Can you just design something for an Got event it. for me? Got it. How many of the one-on-one the -on -one things do you have to do every year to, to have a successful business? Um, for dresses, yes. a million trillion. Like <laughs> right. So you, you, you can also you can get, see what I'm getting at. She yeah. has a part of a business model where it means that a million people have to come to her. So she's making a dollar a dress. Is that a good business model? No. Okay. You're answering your own questions now, which is oh, where I, I wanted to get to. You're as an advanced student. Yeah. All right. So that is a business model. That business model is a human being has to find you in the sea of the internet, decide to... that. Hey, I need a dress. So right. cut that market in half. It's just, well, not all. There's all kinds of cross-gender stuff going on. Right. So you got some, some cross-section of the planet. 52%, yeah. Yes. <laughs> wants to hire you. But right. it's not a very high margin part of your business. Right. And it's hard to discover you. Maybe you can send, you can have dresses made for the friends that are close to you. But okay, so you're yourself agreeing that that's not a great part of the business model. And I'm telling you, if you're not thinking about your business like this, you're blowing it. Okay. All right. What's the other part of your business model? So the other part of my business model uh -huh. is just producing products. Okay. So I have notebooks, I have calendars, I have bags, I have you name it, my illustrations are on the product line. And that is definitely where I'm trying to go because mm. that's the money, right? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> okay. but it's just getting into more markets, Sure. I guess, especially as a, a How many, person. Great. Are you talking too much? I'm going to ask some questions and you yeah. answer short, <laughs> short answers, okay? It's good to know. Um, so that's where the biggest opportunity is. You said it yourself. Right. So how much time are you spending on the thing that has the, is the worst opportunity relative to the thing that's the best opportunity? 
question. There you go. That's a good question. That's how she should be thinking. Yes. Now, I understand that there, a part of that business could be inspiration, like, hey, I'm going to do this dress and I'm going to get inspired for some other product lines, etc. But if you're not thinking about your business, about how you're spending your time, especially as a solopreneur or a small shop, then you're doing it wrong. So I take that with a grain of salt because people told me I was doing what I was doing wrong too. And you should take everything that I say up on the stage with a grain of salt. But I want you to spend a disproportionate amount of time on, on the two other pieces of your business rather than just designing a dress. Because here's what's gonna happen. If you do this other stuff, you will be so well known that the people who will want to hire you will have a lot of money. They will probably, you know, they will be coming to you from far away and, and have unlimited budget. That's when you should pursue that part of your business. Not now. Not your, your aunt who's got five bucks to give you to make a dress. Don't do that. Focus on the other two parts. So the part that is companies, how many times a year do companies come to you and ask for a, a custom design for their clothing or whatever? For clothing? Yeah. Or, a big company? Yeah. No. I don't do um, like uniforms or anything like okay. that, so I don't have any. Got it. Zero. Anything. Make sure to hold that close to your mouth. Oh, sorry. Okay. That's Zero. okay. So <laughs> we're going to focus on the products. Why do we focus on products? Because it's scalable, right. right? And she's talking about being here in a, you're, you're here on Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And you've talked about it being a tough market relative to New York, where you went to school. Mm -hmm. um, product distribution's global. Right. Um, you can use offsite things to manufacture those things. It's really, it's a digital business, ultimately, because you're taking your digital imprints and you're putting them on products that other people are selling. And in, in fact, you can use that as an internet business, right? Right. Okay. You're picking up what I'm putting yes, down? Yes, mm -hmm. I see How that. much time are you spending on that relative to the other stuff? Um, probably 5% of my time, really. So that's definitely something I have to work on, thinking about like changing my time schedule as it regards to that. Yeah. Who thinks she should spend more than 5% of her time there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Yeah. So we're, we're, I'm just going to spend a little bit more time with you. I, wanna, I, think that's, I think that's an important thing for you to, to grapple with. Now... Let's just assume you're spending 95% of your time on the time on the stuff that's going to make 100% of the money. What are you doing to differentiate? Because what I want you to think about in your business is you don't just have to be better than the competition. You also have to be different. Okay? Different. There, there's some really crappy businesses where you have to be better and you have to be a penny better or a quarter of a penny. And those are called commodities. And those are things that I don't believe that the world needs more of. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't recommend that you go into commodified or commoditized business. I'm just saying, if you want to make disproportionately make money on your effort, don't try and make the next Amazon. If you do, more power to you. Right on. I'm not going to talk you out of it. But just the scale that I'm hearing in the room in the region, I want you to think about you know, do, doing it differently. So, because remember, Jeff Bezos will also crush you if he thinks you're the next Amazon <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> for sure, in about 45 minutes. Okay, so I'm really excited about this because what I hear is a ton of opportunity. So, if you can proliferate your stuff, you can digitally get it out there on goods. You can market it. Then, what it amounts to is it amounts to having people be able to discover you on the internet, having. PR and getting awareness around your products. You came from New York, you have a pretty good idea of how that happens in that industry. I think you're one part fashion, one part artisan. So how do you then get your, what's your plan for getting your work in front of people? How do you stand out and how are you different, not just better? Wow, how am I different? Um, I think in terms of my illustrations, it would have to be a, just a unique, standpoint in terms of the Caribbean influences. Okay. I definitely use a lot 
more softer tones and okay. watercolors. Okay. And I think people really just love the femininity and yep. the subtleness of my illustrations. So I think yep. that would be my strength. It's beautiful. Yeah. I want you to double or triple down on those things, those things that make you different, not just better. Mm -hmm. uh, I want you to create a narrative for your company mm -hmm. because what do people buy? They buy stories. Stories. Okay. So if you're sitting there right now, you just went, uh-oh. It means you don't have a good story for your business. How has it started? Where'd you come from? What's the heritage? Why is it different? Not just better. And it's different by and large because of you or because of the thing that you're doing. The process that you're doing is different. So you better craft a rock solid narrative that you can deploy in 10 seconds on a stage like this. And then that's something that can become sticky. Human beings were attracted to stories. Stories are sticky. Create a great narrative. Double down on the things where you're different and, and not just better. And then see if you can get that product out in the marketplace using social media, the things that you can do here from Kingston. Because you lamented like, oh, I came back from New York. What is the girl like from New York going to do in Kingston when I can't do? Yeah. Make the world your, your, your oyster. Make the world the place where you can deploy your products. Now, you just did some time with the, the Branson Center for Entrepreneurship, right? right? Yes. So you're at the phase where you need to scale this business. Yeah. You've learned some things. You've learned a couple more things here today. Yes. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about how you can take the things that you can do from your home here and make them go across the world. Get some smart influencers to, and there's all kinds of ways to do it. There's tactics around influencer marketing because it's very cheap and easy to get a hand of these things in the hands of whether they're celebrities or internet marketers. Um, I think you can tell a great story with the tools that you have here for very cheaply. We've got a couple of video folks here in the room. I'd go up and see if they, they're for hire. Right. Tell your story, document your journey, and share that with other people who are going to care about your stuff, and I think mm -hmm. you'll be on your way. And if you get that piece right, you will have companies coming to you to license that stuff. You will have celebrities or whatever world you want to live in coming to, 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 to have those one-on-one -on -one dresses made, and that happens, you're going to be doing that at a very, very high margin because you're going to get 10,000 bucks to design a dress, not just two bucks from your Aunt Sally. Yes. Give her a round of applause, you guys. All right. Thank you. We're going to skip. We're going to go over here. <laughs> it's because you're not ready, and this is why I wanted it. She's looking to say, oh, okay. <laughs> now I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next after he's done, and I'm like, nope, we're going right for her. Give her a round of applause, you guys. Come on. It takes a lot of courage. I'll sit down because I think that, that might make you less nervous. Hi. 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 All right. Tell me a little bit about your business. What's your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge... Just to remind you, ecotourism, ecotourism. right? My biggest challenge is government regulations okay. and capital. Government regulations and capital. So, um, I had a chance to touch base with you just for a second before we went on here. I would like you to give a, just a little bit more context about why you cite government regulations as the biggest challenge. Um... Most of our beaches and um, forest reserves are owned and managed by the government. For you to use the property, you need licenses and permits and whatnot. And uh, with the Caribbean, we change governments every five years. With my country, when they change, it goes from, that was your ideas to my ideas. So they try to change policies and ministries and all of those things. So it's like you're starting all over again. All your stuff gets lost. 
they can't find it. Okay. Or uh, we, we know where I'm going with yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, most of the startups, anytime you start a new business, it goes, and it's in tourism, you have to speak with the Minister of Tourism. So that has been a challenge, getting to sit down and getting my forms in and getting meetings and being called back. Got so it. that's my biggest challenge for Got the it. past couple of months. All right. That sounds pretty real to me. I, I'll just confess, I don't have any of these challenges in the U.S. I can start a business online in five minutes. So I was especially intrigued by this challenge because it's something different from mine, but I think we can still try and break it down a little bit. So mm-hmm. let's do that. Um, how much of the story that you just shared with us is about the story versus the actual thing that's keeping you from doing the thing. Just y'all nodding because the you know. The thing. <laughs> and I'll just tell you, this is, and we are not. She is not alone. Right now, for as many people are going like, oh, I got that. There's a hundred yeah. people going. We tell ourselves stories. This is another thing. I, I mentioned stories in the last chapter when we were working the other business. There's a, I hear a defeated story in your voice. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that you come through that is by first and foremost acknowledging that the story is actually the thing that's keeping you from doing the thing and not the thing. And not the thing. We can hug after this. It's good. <laughs> So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to rewrite that narrative. And I think it's fair to say that there are some things that are keeping you down. There are some challenges with government, but the government is not all the challenge. And there are places I don't, maybe I can't do it in the forest and I can't do it on the beach, but go to my point Mm -hmm. earlier about being different, not just better. Yeah. Is there or are there places that do not require a permit that you could take people and make an extraordinary experience for them? I can, but the experience I want to give, it wouldn't give that experience. I want to give a real St. Lucian experience. A real St. Lucia experience. So, part of, part of a business, I'm going to stand up now because I'm, I'm, I want to pace. Mm. Part of a business is if you only did the things that you wanted to do, how many people would balance the books? Yeah, that's true. How many people would make the marketing calls? How many people would create the ads? There's all kinds of stuff that you don't want to do that you have to that you got to do. So step 1 is do what you can today with what you have. What can you do to make a buck tomorrow to prove to yourself that people want your idea? Do what you can with what you have today. And while you're making that money, you got this part of your brain back here. It's like how am I going to get through this other barrier? Because if you don't take action, you will not get anywhere. Actions are what matter. And I can, I can tell, and I'm, I've been there before. This, this is literally the paralysis that I was talking about. Like, I can't sell uh, best camera for $100 million, even though I have a buyer. Because I got this lawsuit thing and I got this, you know what I could have done? I could have got everybody in the room, could have hired some very expensive lawyers because with $100 million, you can afford some pretty good lawyers. Put everybody in a room, paid this person, said this person, conceded, and maybe I only walk out with $80 million. I could have done that, but I told myself the same story that you're telling yourself right now. So what I want you to do is I want to do what you can with what you have, which means instead of the beach and instead of the forest, you're going to take them to the jungle. 
okay? And you're gonna do something ex- like experientially so different and wild and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're gonna bring down you know, your favorite musical artist, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, it's gonna be a high price thing, you're gonna get some VIPs in, you're gonna create an experience, maybe it's for people from mainland US who don't, who, for whom the jungle of St. Lucia would be amazing. You're gonna sell that. While that's happening, you're gonna make that money and you're gonna, then you're gonna be becoming friends with the minister mm-hmm. who could sign that thing. How much is your business about people? Anybody out there, if you believe it's about people, put your hand up. Any, anyone who doesn't have their hand up, put your hand up. And if you only have one hand up, put two hands up. It's about people, okay? It's not about things, it's about people. I believe that you have the ability, you're a dynamic person, we spoke backstage, you were fun and funny. I know that you have the ability to be friends with that minister. And when the new minister comes along in five years, you're gonna be going like, ooh, I can't wait for that new minister. <laughs> okay? Yeah. I know. You think I'm, you, I, I, I realize I'm doing this, it's a little bit fun and funny, okay? But it's true. I tr- it's true. That's the thing. You tell the people it's true. It's true. There you go. <laughs> All right. Breakthrough. Breakthrough? Breakthrough. Let's go. Round of applause for her. Okay. All right, Mr. Spiritual. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, what's your biggest problem? So, just to recap, you want to have coach, but you're also a spoken word poet. There's like three or four things going on. What's your biggest challenge? Uh, The core of everything I do is word and words. Words. Okay. The word and uh, uh, like. My biggest challenge may be to say no and to have a focus. But I'm very much ambitious. Mm-hmm. And whenever someone has a story to tell, I want to give a, an ear to listen. Even if the person pay or not, I want to listen to their story. And maybe not to give an advice, but to give him just an opportunity to share their story with you and okay. to let it off from your heart and okay. maybe to say no that's my uh, that's biggest your biggest challenge. problem is to say no yeah. I, th- I think you also have a problem making money right yeah that's another one <laughs> Those what do you do for a living <laughs> I listen like Mil- I make millions I listen I listen and I make millions okay, okay. Uh, yeah. I, what I love about being an entrepreneur is that there's beauty and humor and joy in the worst parts of it, the parts where you don't have any money. So we're laughing with you, my friend. We're not laughing at you because we're all in this together. We've all had these problems. Tell them you have these problems. Say yes. (laughs) All right, we're in this together. So I would love to make money listening. That'd be amazing. You know. Uh, you should maybe maybe let's look at that for a second. Are there are there careers that one could have listening? Psychiatrist, you make some pretty good money. Psychologist, coach. Okay, so that's we, the field I'm in. My that's the field that he's uh, in. So I'm guessing that you don't want to be a psychologist because of the school, or you don't like that that terminology. That just not fits your vibe. Actually, it's like, uh, I didn't choose for psychology because I, I don't want people messing up with my mind. 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay. Every time, like, uh, like, I do it like this. Uh, every time someone Amazing. tries to get in, mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. That's what he's saying. You can't get it in my mind. All right, let's just, let's stay on track. So, mm -hmm. well, here's what we did, though. Here's what we did. We broke down his problem. Like, I want to make money listening. We laughed. And we laughed a little bit more, and then we said, wait a minute, well, let's just take that on for a second. Because I truly believe that you can make a living and a life doing the craziest things in the world. You can find a way to get paid to do the thing that you want to do. And I do believe that there's a genuine part of this man on stage who wants to listen to people. I think he wants to give them some advice, too, but I think he wants to listen. So what we did is we said, what are some professions, and within... 10 seconds, 20 seconds, we had three ideas, psychologist, psychiatrist, psychologist, and coach. We got through the first two, those aren't for us, we got some issues with that, so now we're focused on coach. And then lo and behold, he found out that his job is a coach. So what I like to do is I think he's on the right track. That's a good thing, it's a breakthrough. Now, how are you making money as a coach? Tell us, what's your business model? So uh, right now, uh my business was, was focused on young people between 10 and 30 years old, young professionals, at-risk youth. And Stop right there. Anybody know a 10-year-old at-risk youth that has a lot of money? <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't help 10-year-old at-risk youth, but I don't think you should try and start your business there. Why? They don't have access to resources. I, yeah, what's that? Yeah, there's got an ego. It's about me if you're 10. And ego. <laughs> Legal issues. Yeah, you have to have a whole different set of circumstances, set of sort of schooling and teaching and whatnot if you want to work with underage kids. So, step one is identify your perfect client who has money, has problems, wants to talk a lot, wants to find someone who will listen a little bit and give them some advice. You want to be me. Seriously? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's like, I don't want to be you, I promise. Okay, so I think that's, a, that's an important problem. And, and what I heard from you also that I want you to be aware of is that you say yes to a lot of stuff. One of the most important lessons that I've learned is focus is critical. I want you to keep in mind, I'm not saying you shouldn't help at-risk 10-year-old youth. You should, but don't expect to make money off that because your, your, your passion for that is important and that's an important part of you. And I think it's a very important part of your story that just shouldn't be, how, that should be your give back. And that, uh, give back, that give back creates a very powerful narrative for people to listen to the other part of you. Like, hey, if I can do this for a 10-year-old at-risk youth, I can listen well enough to give you some good advice. Okay, so that's a part of your narrative. So who are some other people besides 10 to 20-year-old youths who don't have any money that you could sell your services to? Uh, right now I'm thinking of uh, business owners. Yep. I'm thinking I'm working with corporate uh, 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 professionals. Yep. And as I'm trying to build this brand mm -hmm. of myself, yep. that people see and believe that I have something to offer. Yes. Not just my ears, but maybe some, not an advice, I would, I would put it as an advice, but to drive them to pursue knowledge, Great. to pursue a broader, perspective in the situation they are in. Great. 
the, the book that I referenced in our little intro segment, um, Born for This, by my friend Chris Gillibo, th- that is giving career advice at scale. He put it in a book, and that book is the thing that he leads with because he has been around so many entrepreneurs. He's heard that we all have the same problems, and one of these problems is identifying what we're doing, who we're trying to sell it to, and does it fulfill us. So I feel like, just in listening to you for four and a half minutes, because I only have five minutes for your question, that this is an area where you could be wildly successful. Because if you really, you know, you're gonna go to Columbia Business School and you're gonna try and work with a Fortune 500, you're gonna give these people who have 40 years experience building businesses, that doesn't seem like the kind of business that you are suited for. Not just because you haven't lived a life of that experience, but what can you give them? You can give them, you can be such a good listener that like me, I can hear the fear in her voice and the narrative around the government being in her way, if you listen enough, you can hear that. And it's because I've listened to 10,000 people tell me about their problems that I can help them understand it. And an insightful youth who he introduced himself to me as, what was it, a, as, a, as a man of spirit or a man of faith? I'm a man of faith, but not faith in any religion. I'm a spiritual man. I was like, I'm all in, tell me more. It was a very powerful, simple introduction. So how can he apply that thing that he self-described and how can he leverage that into getting people who've done way more than he has in the business world, how can he, talk, how can he have part, add so much value to those people because that's what you're doing. You have to put yourself, take, take yourself out of your shoes and put yourself into their shoes. What can I give this person that they don't already have that I have in abundance? Identify what you have to give, what you would enjoy giving, and make a business out of that. And you don't need a thousand clients. You need the first client. Because what happens when you get the first client? You tell a great story about how you helped that first client to get the second client. When you get the second client, now you have, that second client helps you tell a great story about how you get your third client. And if you do your job well enough, you maintain these clients, So I would probably have some sort of a retainer or a regular visit. And if you do your job well enough again, those people start telling other people. You don't have to tell the story. You have such an impact on these people's lives that they tell your story, their story for you. Anybody here like uh, the iPhone? Love it. It's okay. (laughs) Anybody here, when the iPhone first came out, tell other people? This is really cool. You should check this out. Or any product. That's the most powerful vehicle for spreading the word about business business ideas, products, is one trusted voice to another. So you have your path. We're going to make you... A, we're going to make you as... Tony Robbins. You guys know Tony Robbins? Motivational speaker. Um, very, very insightful. Super smart guy. The guy flies around in private jets, has homes in seven or eight countries from doing what this man here wants to do. Listening to people's problems around business, realizing that even though he hasn't built that business, he can hear the challenges, you're gonna be a great coach one day. Give him a round of applause, you guys. Thank you very much. So, with Ayana, we hear time. With Obed, we hear money. (laughs) And with uh, uh, Nyla, we hear truth. And so, 
Uh, with that, let's give a big round of applause to Chase and... Oh, to these guys. These guys. Thanks, and guys. a bigger round of applause to the three people who opened there. Come on, let's celebrate their... these guys. It takes a lot to get up on stage here. <laughs> Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. You got this. You got this. Thank you so much. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out. They're just slash Creative Live or at Creative Live all over out there on the internet. All right. Until again, uh, probably tomorrow. I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow. And I'll look for your comments on the internets. Bye.